Well, morning, everybody. Welcome to BCC Online um, for our first opportunity to actually worship in this way. Um, I'm sure there'll be some uh, issues along the way um, as it's the first time, but please bear with us and we'll try and improve as we go over the coming weeks. It's just good to connect with everybody. And first of all, from Carolyn and I personally, thanks for your prayers and your support and the offers of support that we received as we've been unwell over the last couple of weeks. We're, we're 90% there yet, but we're still coughing a bit and a bit breathless, but um, we're, we're much, much better. And we're grateful for every, every word, every action of support that we've received. So if I do cough during this, it's because we're still recovering. Um, just a word on, on communion. Please, obviously, it's going to be difficult for us to share collectively, um, particularly this week. But if you want to um, share in your homes together as families or as friends uh, where, where social isolation obviously is observed, then please feel free to do so. Next week, what we're going to do is try and coordinate it so that we can take it online together. Um, but that will, of course, require all of us to have some bread and some, some wine or juice available in our homes but uh, we'll try and do that, try and make that happen. Um, also, obviously, we're not going to be able to have an opportunity to give uh, in terms of our offering. But we can still offer via the website or by emailing Yvonne and she can give details of how to pay into the bank account. If you go to the website, if you go to the contacts page in the giving tab, um, under that there is a button called Donate. Um, which you can give into the church if you choose to do so. There's also a form to fill in if you're a gift aider. And of course, we appreciate those who gift aid because it increases the, uh, the money that we can claim back from the government. Next week, we're also going to try, if the technology allows, to incorporate some live worship into our meeting. Um, it was one step too far for this week, but we'll do what we can. Of course, as I, we started, I was playing um, a piece that Daniel and the other clerks have recorded for us, and there's another song that we'll listen to at the end of the talk. Uh, today, of course, is also the uh, Archbishop of Canterbury is called for a National Day of Prayer, um, particularly for the coronavirus. And let me read you what it says from the uh, the website uh, and from the issue that's been given by the by the presidents of churches together in England it said the presidents of churches together in England have issued a call to prayer in the light of the coronavirus pandemic this is for all churches and people of prayer to join on Sunday the 22nd of March mothering Sunday they write this mothering Sunday 22nd of March we're calling all churches to a national day of prayer and action at such a time as this, when so many are fearful and there is great uncertainty, we're reminded of our dependence on our loving Heavenly Father and the future that He holds. At 7pm this Sunday, light a candle in the windows of your homes as a visible symbol of the light of life, Jesus Christ, our source and hope in prayer. So there is an encouragement, if you can, to light a candle and put it in your window, just as an external reminder that Jesus is still in control. Also, I want to organise a prayer meeting tonight online. Uh, we can do that via meetings where we can all see each other and where we can interact with one another and pray together. Um, I will send out a meeting uh, invitation later, but if you want to be included within that, please either email me or text me and I'll make sure you get an invitation to that online prayer meeting at six o'clock, just for half an hour tonight, so that we too can join in this national prayer initiative. I don't want to do too much talking about the coronavirus this 
this time. I think we're probably hearing from about it on the news and in uh, uh, conversations, daily conversations with people. Um, and so our focus is not going to be the coronavirus today. We are actually going to return to um, our series that, that David kicked off for us last week. But I just wanted to say um, a very brief word that, that at this time we can be an example to those around us as we step out in faith, as we remain in faith, as we remain rooted in our Lord Jesus Christ and in the Father and knowing that he is still in control. And we can also help one another and encourage one another through through social media, through um, phoning one another um, and also being a source of help to one another. And Maxine and Andrew have very kindly coordinated a team of people to help if you're stuck inside, whether you're self-isolating because you're ill or just because you're vulnerable um, and you need any help, whether it's shopping or an encouraging word. Andrew and Maxine have agreed to coordinate um, help in, in terms of a team of people. And if you want to make that yourself available, uh, please contact the Restoration Centre number, which is 07917. 221896 or else um, email restorationc at org. I'm just going to put those details on the screen for a moment so you can see them and then if you need to avail yourself of them further please uh, fit, look at them up on the, on the website under the restoration page or else um, email me or, or one of the other leaders directly. Also don't forget you can get help through your um, home group leaders and through other care pe- uh, workers or support uh, within the church. So please, don't feel isolated, don't stay alone, make these things available. And sorry for this low-tech solution at this time. I want to start with a very simple act of worship. I want to just read the creed to us to remind us of all that we believe. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of the same essence as the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation he came down from heaven, He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. The third day he rose again according to the scriptures. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will never end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. He proceeds from the Father and the Son, and with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified. He spoke through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, and we affirm one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look forward to the resurrection of the dead and to the life and to life in the world to come. Amen. We can never tire of those truths which affirm all that we believe and our rootedness in the Lord Jesus Christ and in all that he's done for us. So let's pray and then we'll turn to the word of God. Father, we thank you that you are in control and that, Lord God, no matter what comes against us, no matter what the enemy would seek to do, no matter, Lord God, 
all the challenges that we face on a day-to-day basis, you are there, you are with us, and we can trust in you. Lord, you will walk through us throughout this, because your word says, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with us, and your rod and your staff comfort us. Oh Lord, make that a reality for each one of us, and may our trust remain rooted in you as we move forward through this time that we find ourselves in. Pray your blessing on each one of us, Lord. And may we be open to hear what you say to us this day through your word and through your spirit. Amen. Just bear with me while I pull up my notes. So we're turning to the book of Corinthians again. Um, And we're going to be staying in Corinthians for quite a long time in the days to come. Last week, as as David, sorry, forgive me, David, as David uh, made clear to us, um, we saw how the church was made up of a disparate bunch of people. Some were wealthy and educated, most were poor, and many were slaves. Also, they came from all different races and backgrounds. And finally, many came from living pagan and less than wholesome lives. And out of this bunch of people, Paul had forged a lively, growing church in this massive city that was at the heart of the empire and the gateway between east and west. As David said last week, Paul actually wrote four letters into the Corinthians, only two of which have survived. And in 1 Corinthians 5.9, Paul refers to a previous letter. So we know that this letter, the first that we know as 1 Corinthians, is at least the second letter that was written. And we believe that a fourth letter was written as well. Um, so, and we believe, sorry, a third letter. And we believe that what we have is the first, uh, the second and the fourth of Paul's letters to the Corinthians. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we're going to read chapter verses 1 to 9 of 1 Corinthians 1. Paul, called as an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given you in Christ Jesus, that in everything you were enriched in him, in all speech and in all knowledge, even as the testimony concerning Christ was confirmed in you, so that you are not lacking in any gift, awaiting eagerly the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to the end, blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful through whom you were called into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want also to read it in a a looser translation because I think it brings out the first point I want to make. Paul called by God's will to be an apostle of King Jesus and Sosthenes our brother. To God's assembly at Corinth made holy in King Jesus. Called to be holy with everyone who calls on the name of our Lord. King Jesus in every place. Their Lord indeed as well as ours. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and King Jesus the Lord. I always thank my God for you for the grace of God that was given you in King Jesus. 
you were enriched in him in, in everything, in every kind of speech and knowledge, just as the messianic message was established among you, so that you aren't missing out on any spiritual gift as you wait eagerly for our Lord King Jesus to be revealed. He will establish you right through to the end, so that you are blameless on the day of our Lord King Jesus. God is faithful, and it is through God that you have been called into the fellowship of his Son, King Jesus our Lord. And what we have as we read it in that version is the contrast. Um, But I think sometimes we've become very familiar with the term Jesus Christ. But we must remember Christ is not a name. It's a title. And he is the king. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. He is the one above all else. And in that first passage, Paul mentions this fact nine times in nine verses. Do you think perhaps he wants to emphasize something? That Jesus is the Messiah? One thing I love about Paul is that he is Christ-centred in all of his writings. Everything in his letters flows out the fact that Jesus is the Messiah and has brought together a new community of people, the church, who are here to witness to this fact. And Paul's intention in these letters is that the church becomes all that it was meant to be in gifting, in behaviour and in future hope. And Paul begins this passage um, with that emphasis on the fact that Jesus is Lord. In his greeting, he affirms his apostleship of Jesus, which he says is directly out of the will of God. And this is important as the letter proceeds, because it's his, his apostleship that is being challenged by some of the Corinthians, as we shall see, especially in the early chapters, but also especially in 2 Corinthians, um, where he emphasises his apostleship throughout the letter. And he then mentions this character Sosthenes. It seems from Acts 18 verse 17, this poor chap had been the leader of the synagogue in Corinth, but he was taken before the magistrate and beaten up to get the, the attention of the magistrate, who just ignored them. But it seems at some stage he too came to faith, and he's with Paul now as he's writing back to the Corinthians. Paul addresses this letter to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling, or those called to be holy, we, we could translate it as. And much of this letter is about what sanctification actually means in everyday life, as we shall see. And so having set down that they are sanctified, he then tells them how that should pan out in reality. Sanctification, we could describe very simply as becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the journey, that's the process each one of us is on throughout our lives. And we can learn much from Paul in this letters about what that actually means practically. In the remainder of the passage, Paul then introduces the themes of the letter. And the themes are God's rich grace poured out to us, to them, resulting in spiritual gifts. And his desire to see them blameless on the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have the grace of God on the one hand, but that grace results in spiritual gifts and service of one another. And we have the notion also of the return of Jesus and the fact that in this whole process of life, God is preparing us for that day. And the remainder of the letter will cover, cover these themes. And the great 15th chapter, of course, he dwells on the whole process of what the resurrection is and how it will work out. So chapters 1 to 4 deal with the divisions of the Corinthians, one from another, and they're falling out with one another over who has the best gift or who has the best apostle. In chapter 5, Paul deals with sexual immorality in the church, and especially a case of incest. 
He says that one's new position in the in and worship in and worship of Christ demands a corresponding purity and separation, not from the world, but separation in the world. In chapter six, Paul tells them not to go to civil law cases against one another to settle disputes and instead decide them within the community. And he then tackles some of the issues, other issues of sexual immorality. In chapter seven, he starts to address matters concerning which they have specifically written to get his opinion. He first of all deals with marriage and specifically between marriage between believers and unbelievers. In chapter 8, he deals with food sacrificed to idols, which perhaps is not so much of an issue here, but is very much an issue for our Indian brothers and sisters and others around the world. And perhaps there are some things we can learn from his discussion of that whole issue. In chapter 10, he, uh, sorry, chapter 9, he defends his, his freedom as an apostle, including his right to earn a living from his apostleship. And he also affirms that he makes himself a slave in order to win some. In chapter 10, he deals with the believer's freedom. And in chapter 11, with appropriate behaviour in the church, specifically with respect to God's order and the communion service. Chapters 12 through 14 deal with proper use of spiritual gifts. And he makes love the crux of, of such operation. In chapter 15, as we've already said, he deals with the resurrection of the dead. Um, and with the return of Jesus. And in chapter 16, he gives his closing greetings. In the second book of Corinthians, of course, this is very different. In it, Paul is not laying out extensive teaching or doctrine um, concerning the church. Instead, it's an extended apologetic about his apostleship so that he can prove to them that, that he is just as worthy as any of the other super apostles that they are acknowledging. Clearly, the issues he started to address in 1 Corinthians 1 to 3 are not been settled, so he feels the need to deal with it in a lot more depth. But we also get a real insight into Paul as a person in, in 2 Corinthians, as we shall see when we get there, and into his um, some of the biographical details that are perhaps shady in other parts of his writings and in the book of Acts. <coughs> so, in these letters, we see... Paul is writing with passion and compassion to a vibrant community which he, alongside others, such as Apollos and Peter, had had a hand in nurturing. And his primary aim is that this community will be an authentic reflection of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That in their relationships within the community, in the dynamics of the exercise of spiritual gifts, in their moral behaviour, in their response to leadership and in their theological understanding, of all that Jesus has done and will do in the future, that they will operate as the body of Christ on earth. His desire is not to tame them or to crush them or to suppress them. It's to polish them so that what they do and how they behave towards one another in all of this, everything must be done that the church will be built up, as he says in 1 Corinthians 14, 26. And Paul's desire is that the church as a community of God's people is all that it needs to be for the gospel to prosper. The problem in the Corinthian church is not passion or enthusiasm, but rather attitude and behaviour. And I would suggest that in our day we've got the opposite problem in much of the, the wider Christian church. Generally in the church we're well behaved, orderly, self-controlled, not too immoral, but we're passive and uncommitted when it comes to the body of Christ. Some people have perhaps have, in parts of the church have fallen into half-heartedness. 
and half-hearted commitment. Of course, as we're finding out today, Sunday in the Memorial Hall is not the only place where the church exists. It happens in other group meetings during the week and in our informal relationships on Facebook, in the prison, in the army base and online. However, our meeting together is an important part of what we do. It's the people of God coming together in an act of corporate worship and to hear the word expounded in order that we're all built up. Before Jesus left this earth, he invested himself in the church. And it's the church that his perp- uh, that is in the church that his purposes for the people of God reside. You can't experience all that God has for you on your own. You can't come into the fullness of your inheritance or your destiny in isolation. It can only happen in the church. It was the church that Jesus loved. And it was the church that Jesus laid his life down for. You can't love God and despise his church because you're despising that which he loves. Of course, the church is not perfect. It's made up of people like you and me, with our faults and our foibles and our shortcomings. But it's the body of Christ on earth nonetheless. And it exists for three primary purposes. To glorify Jesus, to reach the lost and to disciple the saved. Let's look at those three things for a moment. Firstly, to glorify Jesus. We glorify Jesus in our worship, and it's appropriate to bring our worship in song, in reading, etc. We glorify God by living our lives after his example. And how we behave will either bring glory or shame to Jesus. And finally, we glorify Christ through our relationships together. And there's no room in the body of Christ for broken relationships. And you've heard me say this before. Where there are issues between people, where there are issues with leadership, where there are issues, we need to sort them out. We need not to to live in a place of broken relationships. For those bring no honour or no glory to the name of Jesus Christ. And of course, the church in the wider setting is, is a broken entity. And yet there can still be unity in the spirit. But we need to deal with those things, especially in our close-knit community. Any divisions, any things that we're, where, where we are at odds with each other, where we're falling out with each other. And I'm sure um, as a body that um, we do do that. But I just want to continue to encourage us. Because as we see, we will see when we come to chapter 13, it's love that is, a, is a the focus of all that we do and all that we are and all our relationships together. So, we glorify Christ. We reach the lost. The church is here to reach the lost. And throughout this letter, you see Paul's passion to reach the lost. In chapter 117, as we'll look at next week, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel. In chapter 1, 22-23, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. In chapter 2, 2, He says, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. In chapter 9, 22, he says, I've become all things to all people so that by all means I might save some. His emphasis is to make known the good news of Jesus Christ. And though we have challenges during this time of being able to do this as we're restricted in our interaction with people, we can still do so on social media, in calls, in in the way we live our lives, in our attitudes that we share. And of course the Corinthian church became Paul's base for reaching out into a wider area. Um, And just the same, in the same way, we don't exist just for ourselves. We're here, we're created as a group of people to make known the good news of Jesus to Beverly in this area. 
And it's from our existence here that the gospel can go forth. We all have a part to play in this. It's not just for those who like to run courses or, or those who like to organise things. All of us can play a part because we all have a testimony and we all have the truth of God in us and we all have the power of God working through us by his Holy Spirit. So at every opportunity, share the good news of Jesus. Share the good things he's done and he's doing for you. Share of all that he has made uh, you to be and become because that is part of what we're here for. And the third area was to disciple the saved. We are a journey in community. We've never arrived at the point of maturity and we will not do so until we're resurrected. In the meantime, we're here to encourage, challenge, build up, teach and exhort one another. That's not just the responsibility of leaders, but of all of us. It doesn't matter what role you do or don't do within the church. We all have the responsibility to disciple others. The church is God's plan for the world, and he doesn't have a plan B. And I share Paul's passion here to see the church being all that Jesus envisaged when he returned to glory. And especially at this time, we have the opportunity to serve one another. If you know the need of another member, seek to fulfil it. Or as we said earlier, point them towards the, the restoration centre number. And I, I do give thanks to Maxine and Andrew and the whole team who are looking to coordinate the efforts to support the, those who are isolated. But we can all be part of that. Let's be the body of Christ at this time. Let's demonstrate the love of Christ at this time. Let us be the people that God has established to be in word and in action. Let the truth of what God has done in our lives be made known through us and in us. And may we be a testimony to the world of the goodness, the grace, the love and the faithfulness of our God. That's all I have to share for this morning. I want to pray and then I'll just um, point us into in some other things. Thank you for joining with us today. Thank you for, for sharing in this service. Um, it's been an experience for me, a new experience, and I'm sure we can all learn as we go along. I've got much to learn, I'm sure. But let's pray together. Father, as we move into this coming week, may your peace fill our hearts. May your joy be our portion. May your faithfulness, Lord God, be with us and, Lord God, remain with us. And may your, Lord, increasing love just flow through us to all that we meet and all that are in and out of our community. Pray your blessing on us as a church. And may you take us, Lord God, forward in your plans. May not this be a time of, of, of stopping, but a time, Lord God, where you are still using us for the sake of your kingdom and your glory. Amen. If you have any thoughts about how we can improve this, please feel free to contact or to email. Um, also, afterwards, it's been suggested that we have a, a chat about what's been shared and what's been done on, on the face, church Facebook page. If you want to take part in that, feel free. I'll be on it for the half an hour after I shut this, uh, this call down, this uh, webinar down. Um, but I'm going to just leave us to play out with a second song that... Um, the clerks have uh, put together for us and that's going to start any moment now so bless you have a good week stay in touch
And just one further thought. Every blessing on this Mothering Sunday to all the women in Beverly Community Church for your care and prayers for our children in BCC. May God bless you in the days to come. And may it be a blessed day, even if we're restricted from seeing one another. Just be blessed this day. Amen. You are my hiding place. I believe.